Hey, what's going on, guys? It's your boy Matt St. Jack. Whether you're an avid anime fan, a wee tadpole still finding your way, or anywhere in between, I'll be providing my opinions and insights on anime old and new. Think Yelp with help from friends and producers from other shows weighing in. I know you can't wait to hear, and I can't wait to tell, so let's get to it. This is Matt St. Jack with Anime Talk. Let's go. Yo, 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 what's going on? It's your boy, Matt St. Jack, back at it again with the white bands, except no white bands as always, but back at it again with another awesome episode of Anime Talk. So I am joined today, guys, by two really cool people, really dope podcasters in the game. And I have Jordan and Paul on today from, is it Cinematic Underdogs? You got it right, Cinematic Underdogs. Awesome, guys. I appreciate you guys jumping on. Dude, I'm excited about this episode. Like, it's going to be dope. I'm excited to have you guys on. I'm excited, too. And thank you for pumping our tires. I've never had anyone just pump the tires like that with that <laughs> intro. What an intro, man. <laughs> All right, God, I love that. Dude, thanks for having us on. And I'm stoked to talk Skate the Infinity. Yeah, I can't wait. Um, for those of you guys who don't know, um, I've had these guys on for, I think it was, or maybe it was just Paul, I think for the last one, but like the keeping it active or getting active or something like that. We've done this a couple of times during the spring. So I think the last one we did was like Grand Blue dreaming right that was yes 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 trying to remember right um, yeah it was it was dope like i said it, we normally do this in the spring but obviously for those of you who are into sports you know that sports are year round so why not go ahead and bring it back in the summer so um i can't wait for that so like i said i'm excited for you guys to be on the show and joining me today to talk about like you said skate the infinity so that's going to be awesome before i get into this as always i want to thank you each and every one of you for listening and following the show without you all this wouldn't be nearly as fun and or rewarding um, if you're not already following me, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Anime Talk 12. That's Anime Talk, the number one and two. There you'll find any updates and news in regards to any upcoming episodes. Um, where can they find you all? Uh, you can find us at Cinematic Underdogs on Twitter. Of course, Google that. You'll find that as you're looking for us for Spotify and whatnot. Um, if you're in Spotify, just search Cinematic Underdogs. We usually pop right up on there. Are we on Threads, Paul? Have we joined that yet? No, no, no. We no? haven't okay. joined Threads. I, we should. It actually is smart to be like an early investor in any social media, you quickly get, first of all, following at the same time. I don't know. I just have so much social media. I, I'm so spread thin already. I don't want another one. I think I'll have to do the threads one then. I think, I think I'll, I'll have to do a thread. Okay. So threads will be coming for sure. You'll be our threads guy. We the Twitter dude. I'll be the yeah. Zuckerberg shield. So yeah, this, this yeah, will be yeah, fun. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not um, a musker or something. It's not like a partisan choice or an anti-Zuckerberg. They're all oh, he's they're lying, all... guys. He drives the nicest Tesla. This dude. He's <laughs> lying to you all here. All right. Who would anyone put though on a fight if it actually happened between Zuckerberg and Musk? It's Zuckerberg yeah, all day. He's yeah. younger. He's actually training right now. Like, isn't Elon's pretty old? He looks like out of shape. And I saw some pictures recently of like Zuckerberg, you know, he's got some definition to him now. He's it looks like he's I'm gonna say taking it seriously, but he's showing up yeah. to practice. Here's here's my thing, right? I, I realistically the fight that I would love to see is actually Tom Hardy versus Mark Zuckerberg. I think that that'd be a better oh, fight dude. because yeah, because Tom Hardy like actually does this yep. as well. So I think it'd be a better fight. And I was talking to one of my coworkers about this. Either way it goes, if that fight actually happens, both of them get like the clout and the raise that comes from that. Because like obviously everybody has an issue with Mark Zuckerberg right now, like with everything that's going on on Facebook, but they'll be talking about him because they're fighting. And then everything happening with Twitter right now, Elon Musk is going to get a boost too. So either way it goes, if the fight happens, it's really just a PR stuff for both of them. But if you really want to see like a fight, 
fight, I'm telling you, Mark Zuckerberg versus Tom Hardy is the fight that I want to see. I feel like they're closer in age and they both do this, like for real. Uh, so I'd much rather see that. People forget though, Ed O'Neill is an old school Gracie Jiu Jitsu black belt dude. Probably yeah. dummy all the all those guys he just mentioned. So can we just get Al Bundy out here just to mess someone up? That's the fight I want to see. <laughs> I'll take you. Yeah, I mean, you also got to see that Zuckerberg's hanging out with what's his name? Uh, the Airbender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, Adesanya. Adesanya, yeah, yeah the yeah, one who yeah. knocked the guy out when we were in Vegas, right? Yeah, Wasn't he? yeah, we were there for the bachelor party. Yep. Uh, so I saw him, like, in Lake Tahoe, like, on the boat together, and they're, they're, they're just, like, chilling in the, I don't know what to call it, the gym. So you yeah. know Zuckerberg's going to whoop <laughs> Elon yeah. with, with the training he's been putting in. It's kind of dumb for Elon to even want to jump into that ring. Like uh, I said, it's just a PR. I think it's just a PR stunt at this point. That's that's really what I think it is. It would never happen. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, so make sure that you follow us there, guys. Um, let me know specifically if you follow, if you like or dislike an episode, because I love interacting with you, the fans. And uh, as always, there may be spoilers ahead, so you have been warned. Shout out to the homie Alejandro. Um, this is not going to be much of a spoiler episode, and the reason why is because this show, I've already kind of kind of talked about this before i talked about one character from the show before um when i was talking about hide your kids hide your wife that was an episode where i talked about men and a couple of characters that will either try to take your woman or try to like potentially like i don't know mess with your kids um and there's a character in this specific show that i talked about you guys have watched this so you know you probably know exactly who i'm talking about that probably shouldn't be left with anyone who is like a younger cat and that's ad- obviously adam from this show but um but yeah, so like I said, there probably won't be any spoilers ahead because the show's been out for a while. So no spoilers, but we're just going to kind of talk to it, kind of give more of a breakdown about the show. I'm going to do in typical fashion, I'm going to be the narcissist that starts everything off and gets everything started and then lets everybody kind of come in and talk about this. First of all, the show is Skate, so SK8, the Infinity 8.02 as the rating, 12 episodes, so a very quick watch. And it originally aired January 10th, 2021 to April 4th. 2021. Um, so the description is a high school student. Uh, Ricky is passionate about one thing, skateboarding. Um, when night falls, he heads to S, an illegal underground race inside a mine where skaters compete in highly dangerous situations. After a loss that results in his skateboard being destroyed and his arm being broken, Ricky is now incapable of practicing at all. So that's just kind of a high level for what the show is kind of about and how it kind of starts off. But uh, in typical dictator's fashion, I'm going to go ahead and start off by saying, one, this show visually was absolutely amazing. And I love the concept of skating. And I think uh, kind of off camera, um, I was talking to Jordan about this, where like right after watching this show, I immediately wanted to jump into Tony Hawk Pro Skater and immediately start skating. So um, before I give my take on everything, I want to start off with you guys. What do you guys think? I'm just curious. Well, I'm going to start off because you mentioned Tony Hawk and... The first episode, I was thinking this is like uh, Mario Kart, Twisted Metal meets Tony Hawk and Rocket yeah. Power. I love and that. I was just like, to me, it all kind of melded as one thing. But I was just enthralled with that introduction from the stylized racing, the unrealistic, but awesome looking skate tricks. Shadow throwing some firecrackers remind me of like the bananas and like Mario mm-hmm. Kart stuff. I really like the the motifs we're looking working with, and each character being larger than life kind of reminded me of like Twisted Metal with like uh with our like five or six main characters that we'll get to know through the next twelve episodes. I was like immediately just wanting more. Um, so my first take is this is pretty freaking awesome, uh, right up my alley. 
I love it. I'm loving the energy here. I think this episode, I'm going to be probably the like token hater, even though I didn't hate it by any chance. I can just tell you guys are so enthusiastic <laughs> that I'm going to be like the outsider, the third wheel, as they bring up later in this, the thing. I love that weird Valentine's to anyone who watches. It's a weird reference I made there to the third wheel. But I love skateboarding and I was a little bit bummed. This wasn't more of the like street, just like everyday natural skateboarding i know that anime wants like these big races and for me it just felt like so much of the season took place at s this like abandoned mine at night with these like 20 minute racings and i felt like one i understand the logistics of only having one course but it was kind of boring by like the fourth race on the same course and two and to put a caveat on that uh, and for all your listeners, I'm going to spoil probably. So I know you probably prefaced it as no spoilers, but I'll probably accidentally spoil this. So if you, all good. yeah, it's all good. Cool. Uh, the last race was awesome. It was a new course. And that's where I got the Mario Kart vibes, Jordan, for sure. Yeah. I've been playing Mario Kart a week and I was like, hell yeah. I wish this whole series had more courses, but like, you know, early on in the series, we get a few moments that really like show the nuances of skateboarding that I absolutely loved. Uh, I loved you know, our main character, Reiki, he makes skateboards. You know, his explanation of the three different types of skateboards was really fun, right? You have the long board, the long board, the surfer's type of board, and you got you got max control, you go really fast. You got a cruiser, which is right in between, and you got the street board, right, which lets you do tricks. I also thought it was really cool that he made like a custom-made fabricated board for Longa, right? Like the, the mm-hmm. Canadian snowboarder who's trying to adapt to skating, who's not only, you know, out of his element you know, culturally as a Canadian kid in Okinawa, but athletically, or at least in terms of like his preferred extreme sports Mm -hmm. domain, right? Now he's got to adjust to skateboarding as well, like that character development. Uh, But anyways, that whole part, I really loved. I loved how like all anime shows love the atomization of equipment. They break down the technology like really well. They did that in the Yoa Shumi pedal or whatever, the racing one we did. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure they did one in Grand Blue Dreaming, the diving one we did. Mm-hmm. But but to, to quickly end my preface, right? What I kind of thought this missed out on is what Grand Blue Dreaming really did. It didn't give me, for my interest, enough of the ancillary stuff. I wanted more scenes in the skate shop. I wanted more scenes with Reiki and Longa just shooting the shit and hanging out. Uh-huh. And I just thought way too much of the season by the end for me was just these races that were a little bit too noted. I'm on the opposite end because I like the anime rivalry. I love how we have, especially I like, um, why am I drawing a blank? Who's our main guy who looks like Joker from Persona 5, El Matador? Um, Adam. Uh, Adam. Yeah. yeah Adam, basically, yeah. Name, Adam. The easiest name, right? I love Adam. <laughs> Adam is like the perfect villain, both aesthetically and in his like just crazy overarching mission that is this giant metaphor of like falling in and out of love with skateboarding, right? Which is just, <laughs> just such a profound theme throughout the show. But also a profound theme of sports, right? Which is also coming this from like the sports angle. It's a fresh take on it, right? Because it's all about like being passionate, losing that passion, and whether or not you find it again and what you do with it when you find it again. And I love yeah. how complex Adam is. He's just a wacko. Like I said, he looks like Joker from Persona 5 with his decked out skateboard, like the heart and the horns on front. But he's also, like you said, just this great like linear thing you can track that really gives all the skaters something to progress for and i always like that he's the villain that is better than everybody in this he's like dr yeah. doom in that way that he's actually better than iron man he's better than 
Mr. Fantastic. He knows magic like Doctor Strange. Like all our favorite heroes, like Doctor Strange, like I can do it all, right? And the, yeah. one, the heroes never want to admit that, right? And we kind of yeah. have that dynamic here with um, Adam, with his old friends, right? Um, with Cherry and Joe, who I think I'd put on the list of never leave Joe with your woman. Right? No. Joe, no. Joe comes goes on a list. He'll steal your woman for the year. <laughs> exactly. Um, and credit to him. He looks like he, he's got it down. You know, he's got the vibes. He's got the abs, right? But you know, when we have like um Adam as our as our main antagonist, so he really makes them something to rise to, he's something that they aspire to, right? And I love those stories where the villain really elevates the hero, even though we're rooting for our heroes. Uh Longa, you know, is someone who I love rooting for because he's an underdog, weirdly, yeah. right? He's an underdog who's super talented, though. He's the underdog who has talent, but you don't know how that talent's gonna mold. And that's where Adam comes in, right? He sees it. And I love how complex that is from, from like episode three to like episode 12. And the way, like you said, the simplicity of having these dualities, like even Cherry and Joe and their funny, like antagonistic relationship and how they turn into mentors, right? I love how fluid that is with the show. It has everyone changing, how that's also encompassing this idea of like passion in that, in that social group. Like when you find your subculture, right? And you fit in, you know, when you go out of it, you know, there's that severed tie and that can be tr- like leads to this trauma. So right away, I was really impressed with how this show makes a lot of promises and how many it actually kept. A lot of art doesn't do that. Right. We make these grand proclamations through what we're doing. It doesn't always line up. I felt like by episode 12, this lines up pretty perfectly. I feel like all these symbols and like narrative threads all kind of get tied up. Yeah. And I, I think in a way that's I said that word profound, but in a way it's like satisfying at the end. It does become like a kind of feel good uh, ending. Right. Without giving the spoiler. But you have to earn it. I, I appreciate yeah. that. show. Yeah. The crazy part about it is I'm literally going to slide like right down the fence between the two of you. So this is awesome because, and this is what I've talked about before for, my, for the listeners out there. This is the one thing that like, as much as I love my show and I'm obviously going to always tout like my podcast, like the banter and just having a conversation about things, just talking things out is like 10 times better than me just sitting here going on a monologue. So I'm glad that I'm able to kind of like pick and choose and kind of jump in and everything like that between this episode. So I'm appreciative for you all for that. But I would say like, and we're talking about semblances and like uh, similarities and things like that between this. And it reminds me very much. And I know it's a very like juvenile and very like simplistic analogy, but it reminds me very much of like Cars. Like if you've ever watched the movie Cars on Disney, and I and again, I know it sounds very simplistic. Follow me where I'm going. But like it starts off very much with like Lightning McQueen, obviously starting off and in this situation, it's more like Ricky because he understands like I'm the guy. Like this is something that I've been doing for all my life. This is something that I want to continue to do. But by the time that you get to Cars 3 with Lightning, he understands that he's falling back and he's no longer just that guy anymore. He understands that like there's another car that's coming up. And because I want to still stay in power and still stay in the spotlight that I'm in right now, I have to understand that I have to offload this and help the next generation and the next person coming up to help them be the best racer that they could potentially be. And in this situation, Ricky ends up having to take that backseat to Longa to understand that like, hey, you know what? As much as this is my passion, it's always going to be my passion. It's always going to be something that I enjoy doing. I have to help this guy because he understands like I'm into this. This is my culture now. This is something that I want to do. There's there's this nagging on my like heartstrings that tells me that this is what I should be doing. But I'm scared because I don't know who Adam is. I've never dealt with this person before. This guy just randomly popped into my life and was like, you're mine. Like this is this is what we're going to do. Like you're going to continue to be my nemesis. You're going to be the person who I'm, I'm setting my, you know, my, my horns at and setting my love towards. And Longa did not know how to deal with it. So Ricky pretty much had to come into it and say, hey, you know what? I get it. This is a new element for you. 
let's just go to the park. Let's just go skate. Let's just go hang out. Let's go talk. And let me give you some kind of tips and tricks to kind of get you better down this path. And I think that like in Ricky's situation, I know that that was a heartfelt and very tough conversation for him to have because Ricky, as much as we wanted to start off to say that he is the main character, Ricky was very quickly pushed to the side. Mm-hmm. And this, this anime turned very quickly to longer story. And I think that sometimes in this situation, I talk, and I've talked about this like in depth and like at length in a lot of my different shows. And people will always say, say this before, people will always say, anime is this, anime is sci-fi, it's so fake, it's so this, it's just a storyline. It's a, there's so much depth and plot lines mm-hmm. to anime. And in this situation, like I felt Riki, like I felt him because like I've been in situations like that before where like you're passionate about something, you want this to be your thing and somebody comes along and it's 10 times better than you at that thing. You have to be able to say, okay, you know what? Either I'm going to be the dick or I'm going to be the asshole and block you from potentially being better or am I going to take the back seat to you to teach you what's going on, to teach you to get better, even though you're going to be, you're better than me already. But like, am I going to sit here and have a conversation with you to say, hey, you know what? Cool. I'm passionate about this. How can I help you be better? And how can I push you towards the end goal, which is beating Adam? Because I can't do this. Like you find out very early in, into the show, Ricky cannot stand. He's he's not even on Adam's list. Like Adam gives zero fucks about this guy. Like he is just like, I don't know who you are. You're scum. You're trash. I don't even know your name. Like, get out of here. Like, you're a board guy. Your job is to come up here, deliver boards, and get your ass up out of here. Like, I don't even know who you are. You're still here. But Longa very quickly steps into this role of like Adam's like, Adam is very much like, I'm bored. This is this is something that I'm I'm passionate about, but there's nobody that's on my list right now. There's nobody on my level right now that even pushes me to do this. And to the point where I'm much rather just go ahead and focus on business over here. But he finds this person that he's like, this is my spark. This is the spark to put me back into the sport. And Ricky has to say, you know what? Fuck it. I'm not going to be able to beat him. The only thing I can hope for is that I teach you enough to where I beat him by proxy. And, you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, he says, "Okay, you know what, Longa? I'm going to teach you everything. I know all the tips and tricks that I need. And we're going to go ahead and beat him together. And I'm also going to slide over to Paul's side. Like you said, Paul, I wish that there was more of like this day to day interaction. I felt like because everything happened at night. We didn't really get to see anything that they were doing throughout the day. They were they were always trying to push Adam on us and everything like that. But we know that Riki and Longa were doing more than this. They were hanging out together. We saw, you know, Phantom and like a Shadow and all, mm-hmm. all these other characters every once in a while. But there wasn't enough of like the day and there wasn't enough variety in the courses like you said the s was really cool and the s was like an amazing place to kind of be but how did the s like really become a thing why were the police constantly like kind of patrolling around this what did adam do like how much was adam really doing to kind of pull these strings behind closed doors to make this a safe space for skaters honestly like now that i'm thinking about it i would have loved to have seen more of like an x game theme to this like for those of you who don't know I'm, i'm obviously telling my age a little bit like i'm 33 i'll be 34 next month but like X Games was like a huge thing for me, like especially I don't want to be that person, but I'm going to be that person right now, especially like from an African-American like upbringing. No one talks about X Games and like the black community. It's always, you know, sports, and you know, football and basketball and all this stuff. But for me, X Games was it. Like, I think we talked about this, Jordan, like BMX, like we were talking about yeah, Matt Hoffman before this. This was awesome. And I wish that they had brought more of more of like a street course or like a vert and like, you know, a street. We could have done so much of this. And they kind of hinted towards it a little bit when Lanka and we're hanging out at the skate park mm-hmm. and we're going through like ollieing and like grinding and like all this stuff. They kind of hinted towards it. But to Paul's point, I wish that they had done 
more of that. I wish we would have had like day competition. Could we not have had like day like skaters come out and we all like hang out and just kind of as a community build this community up where I felt like it was more like, okay, the S is the only place that we do this. If you're not at the S, you don't skate. And it's like, no, I'm pretty sure you're skating, you know, other places. So I wish they had kind of done a little bit more of that. Yeah, that's that's a train of thought that I was on the whole time because we love the X Games, you know, Tony Hawk's 1080. Uh, I mean, I'm so sad that it doesn't get as much play as it does. Like it was a huge event every year that they had the yep. X Games on ESPN. And I also love street skating. We were both street skaters as kids. So like, you know, early on when you have Reiki talking about like the phenomenology of an Ollie, right? Because Longo's trying to learn an Ollie. That, that was my favorite, probably little part of the whole season, right? He's like talking about how it's this leap into the unknown, right? And it takes a certain amount of time to learn, which it really does. Everyone who skateboards know, like no matter what you do, you got to put in the hours. You got to put in those two to three months is what, is what he says. And Longa is precocious. And you do, you do have that guy too, that kid on the neighborhood that's somehow like he could 360 flip in a month. Everyone uh, mm-hmm. spent years trying to learn this thing. And this one kid just like comes along and he just got it. Right. But for the most part, there's a pretty average time it takes. Right. And the way like they turn like the Ollie into this revolution, this world of possibility and showed how it also shows the constraints of a skateboard. And when they're trying to talk about how Longa is normally strapped in on a snowboard and he has to adapt to not being strapped in. And his whole evolution is great. I love, you know, his first race, he's like duct taped or whatever (laughs) into the board. And then later, like he eats shit because of that and gets really hurt. So they have to, as I already said, uh, make this tailor-made board for him where he can kind of slip his feet in, which is really cool. And I'm wondering if like anyone's actually trying to make that now. That seems like a kind of a cool (laughs) idea. Um, That said, like, you know, I love Rodney Mullen and Daywon Song, for example. And uh, I think it's Maya, the character Maya, who's going to be on the Japanese national team. They show some footage of Maya and uh, Maya is kind of doing those Rodney Mullen-esque creative avant-garde style skateboarding stuff. Yeah, he has like a Casper flip, like when he does like the like the first run, right? That's what he gets him with. Yeah. He's like, he hits him with like a Casper flip and he like stumbles on it. Yep. And so like for me, just like having also watched not a ton, but, but quite a few other uh, anime sports shows, right. Um, based off of manga, I, I, I was hoping it would just be a little more rooted in realism. I, and what's funny too, is like another ex- parallel reference I could make to this show that it really felt like for me, and this is a good and bad thing in the way that it parallels it is fast and the furious, right? This has a sense of like a scene, an underground scene. That's kind of rogue. That's kind of hidden. That's kind of clandestinely illegal, Right. And it has a sense of community. It has like a race, like a street racing race that, you know, you got to hide from the cops. And I really like that, even though it is sort of fantastical here, like this, this kind of community doesn't quite exist to my knowledge. I've never really heard of, you know, abandoned mind racing at night. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's, it's totally, you know, uh, uh, I get that. That's fun. It's creative. So like, I'm overly also being pedantic here. I'm going to want to call myself out really quickly. Right. Because of course it's an anime. They can do whatever the hell they want. And that's kind of part of the fun as well. I, I see that reading, right? Which is why I tried to preface this as I'm being selfish. I wanted an anime that reflected my childhood so I can get even deeper in the nostalgia because anime is so good at that. It has its innocence to it, especially this show. It has its lead motif of loving what you do because you do it. It's like, it's almost a celebration of the hobby, of the pastime, of the thing that's not going to make you money, that's not going to push you forward in life, but that gives you joy and pleasure it really does confront that, especially by the by the last episode, the last race, all the internal monologues for both Adam and Longa 
are like about the existential parameters of what they're doing. Does it mean anything to like skateboarding? Yeah. Ricky's going through the same thing and that's his full arc is he has to like find solace in the fact that he's not going to even be the best. So first yep. of all, you're not going to make money, but he's not even going to be the best. So all these people have to understand they're doing this for the love of the, of the sport. It's also, yeah, yeah, it's like love the sport, but finding your place in the sport is the other thing I think this does really got a job because I get the talent versus passions like at the forefront. But Reiki, that's one of the reasons he does find happiness. And I like his story arc of finding happiness. He finds one, he still likes skating. He comes to learn like skating. He gets really depressed when he realizes he's not going to be, whether you call it professional skater, just a skater for life, if you will. <laughs> but then he finds the ability to contribute. Again, the, like you said, like kind of like Fast and the Furious, like contributing to the family, contributing to the larger good through his craft, right? He doesn't, he never sees that his skill is he's, he's a craftsman, like a unique craftsman for skateboarding. He's a visionary. He doesn't see like that. He's a visionary, right? He's jealous. That's, that's everything. It does a great job of like comparing jealousy and envy and then accepting that. And then figuring it out again, like reevaluating your passion within that larger scope of what is beyond your passion. Like what is skateboarding beyond foot on a board? Like, I love how he comes to the conclusion. Like I've been like Longa couldn't do any of this if I didn't give him these boards, right? Or give him the confidence, the et cetera, right? And it's such a long journey for him to get there. And I like how so detached he gets from like your initial goal. Like Paul said, like when you put in the hours and the results aren't what you expect, right? And yep. it's unfortunate he could work twice as hard and never get there. I love the, again, like that hits hard, right? That can hit hard, especially because he's only 17. It's so hard to like when you watch these shows because they all look like they're like little like adults running around, right? Yep. But like even like longer, like, 17 like this take by probably when they started they're like 16 or whatever right and it's just them as like best friends you know growing and that's like them detaching and that it's also them kind of him losing the friendship there how how intricate that is yeah. and i like how that's all like intermingled like it's all about keeping that like you said that larger group together that larger mission and like you mentioned maya if i remember right like the young one how that's supplemented under that right how that's how he's brought into the group and how Reiki breaks that promise. I love the idea that how broken promises can be redeemed, right? Second chances and whatnot. Mm -hmm. uh, like, like you mentioned, it's so complex and complicated. And that's where I think the realism of the show really stuck out, right? Was the relationships and the, like the ties of passion, the ties of dreaming, and then accepting reality, but still pursuing that goal that needs to be made tangible. That's what I find like something that's like unique and inspiring <laughs> in these, in these shows. It's often like absent, like real world anime stuff, right? It portrays the sport and the, Realness, like when we were talking about grand dreaming, swimming in that pretty well, right? But this is a different level of like passion and ambition that's kind of absent in those other ones, right? The idea of like really shooting your shot and seeing some people hit that target and others fall short and then where they kind of pick up the pieces. It's a lot done in 12 episodes. Land all, all, all I just like deconstructed from this, right? All that subtext. But like I said, it really does deliver it. So like when I hate Reiki for being jealous and like I said, envious and you like you, you want him to come around, you really do get it. Like, it's yeah. not like a hate for that. It's a narrative hate. But you yeah. understand, especially if, you're, if you step back and look at them as children, right? Children who are being mentored into this next role, right? It's such a really raw depiction of, of you know, maturing, right? Maturing yeah. in, in the moment and professionally. And it's just, I found, I found it fascinating as I was watching because it it's so wrapped up, like I said, all this like just circus spark that I love. I love like, you know, Adam jumping down on a helicopter, like doing the yeah. parachute <laughs> intro. Like, like I, said, I just love the idea that Adam just has this racetrack. He does whatever the fuck he wants with it. You know, yep. he's like got this like Tony Stark attitude to it. Like all these hallmarks of all these like just pop culture things and just like, like sparkle that like, that just, again, it's like, it's like a little cherry on top, but hidden, hidden under that I think is some real like heart 
which again, is just a great metaphor that's explored throughout this anime, but it does really get to the, the heart of the show. You kind of hit it right on the head. And that's what I was going to kind of allude to. It's like you said, guys, this is 12 episodes. Like I've said this before so many times on my show, and I, and I hope that you guys can understand exactly what I'm saying when I say this. Like there is depth and there are layers to so many of these animes that are coming out. And I know that people will say like, okay, well, the show is only 12 episodes. The show is only 24 episodes or whatever from a first season standpoint. Because there's so much depth that to me happens in these 12 to 24 episodes that you can't even find in some like real live shows in like a hundred or so episodes because there's there's this connection that happens and there's this tie back to your childhood there's always this trope or like this this connection that you're just like you know what i love this because it happened to me at some point it had not only did it happen to me at some point, it kind of sucked because I went through a similar situation and I didn't handle this situation the way that this character ended up having the situation, which could have potentially been better for me. Um, and like you said, in this situation, the big thing for me was like Joe and Cherry, when they had to kind of sit back and say, okay, you know what? Like, this is my best friend. This is something that we all started together. This is something that we all wanted to do. Life happened. We decided to go this way. You decided to stay on this path. And now it's like, okay, as my best friend or as one of my close friends, I have to step in and be the person to stop you now. And Joe and Cherry couldn't do that. Like as much as they had been friends with this person and as much as they had kind of gone through life with this person and said, hey, you know what? Adam has always been our friend. Adam has always been this. We all started the S and we all did this and everything like that together. Adam eventually transcended them. He transcended, you know, the friendship that was there before. Let's be fair. Adam had been a creep and a weirdo since the very beginning when he was a kid. Like even when he had his little and I can't remember his bodyguard's name, but even when like he had his bodyguard that first started skateboarding with him and his dad was like, what are you doing? Like, you're not a skateboarder. Stop this. Sit that damn board down. You're going to be a businessman just like me. This is how life is going to be. And Adam was like, I reject that. Like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be the person that you want me to be. I don't want to be the person that the family wants me to be. I don't want to be that at all. I want to be the skateboard. This is how I want to be. From the very beginning, he's shown us from that time of like, he was beating up on his bodyguard at the time, like doing skateboarding. He was like, yo, dude, you're weak. Like you're, you're weak compared to me. I don't know what you're doing. Like, I know you taught me the craft and I know that you taught me how to be this. And I think to me, that's the parallel, right? Riki and Longa, and I, I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm fucking drunk. And by the way, what I'm drinking on today right now is Black Velvet, blended uh, Canadian whiskey. Shout out to them. Um, but like even just thinking about this as I'm talking about it is like as much as Riki and Longa were very much like, let's go and I'm going to help. If you look at it from the opposite side, Adam and his bodyguard were the complete opposite. Riki was able to say, like, I see you enveloping my shadow and I see that you're, you're eating away from me, but I'm going to help push you forward. When you look at how Adam and his bodyguard were, it was the complete opposite. Adam completely devoured him and left him in the dark. It was like, hey, you know what? I care zero about you. I don't care about you at all. You did teach me this and you did push me forward, but I don't I don't need you anymore. Like, you know what I mean? I think yeah. that that's the complete opposite. The bodyguard, like you said, is actually more like Reiki because just like Reiki, he's the reason Adam is so successful beyond the fact that he taught him how to skate yep. is that he's he's basically like his Alfred. Yep. Right. He cleans up his political messes. He cleans up yep. his internal family messes. He cleans up the track for him. He gives him scouting reports on the track. Right. Yep. Like you said, he's a dog. He's treated to that level of the dog. And it's just great juxtapositioning, I think, between the two narratives like you're, like you're pointing out. But also, that's the race I wanted to see, though. 
Yep. And again, that's the reason I love when he shows up and you and you find out he can throw down. Like yeah. the guy who's been like getting picked on and like just dummied around. I love when he actually shows up. He, he's already probably the best skater out of everybody because you ever actually yes. got to see him skate in the last one, right? And you get the sense that like he, again, he's so humble, right? He represents this interesting take on humility. I like that you bring it up because I wasn't uh, like, I'm kind of targeted on at that moment. It's it's kind of left off because it goes back to our hero story, right? Like we mentioned, our, our two main characters and their arcs resolved, right? But that other one is pretty still tense right he doesn't get his moment to shine unfortunately other than that first race when he just drops down as like kind of like that unlocked character in like a video game just like shows up and wrecks everything the complexity of the relationships and the way they're mirrored like you said throughout like these pairs it's fascinating right it's fun too especially when we get to that episode where like the kind of like uh anime trope where they take like a vacation if you will so reiki can heal his arm right and you got to go like a tropical paradise and you have like the shenanigans and them having fun and I love the the dichotomy of everything with, that's kind of displayed within these episodes. Yeah, you got the two kind of bromances, but one's mm-hmm. like a total subordinate, kind of almost a class slave in a way. Like, right, <laughs> he's kind of indebted to him. He's a butler's son. He's got no power. He does all the dirty work, as you said, Jordan. And like you see at the end, it's it, it shifts really quickly, though, with Adam, right? Like he loses the final race. And then it feels like he's kind of having a little redemptive moment, right? Because... He says something along the lines that like the, the race reminded me everything I learned from you back when we were little kids, right? He says that to the butler's son. So you say, oh, wow, he's somehow tapped back into that innocence, mm-hmm. right? Those great flashback scenes you see during the race of them in a pool together, like an empty pool skateboarding on a on a vert, right? On a half pipe mm-hmm. skateboarding. And then you get the credits where you get Longa and Reiki partying. They're, they're eating their pizza on the rooftop to the skate shop. It was fun. It was kind of a creative way to do the final credits, a different mm-hmm. a different thing. Right. And shout out to both credits. I like the credits for the show a lot. I'm watching a few others right now. And for example, I'm watching like free and free. This show has credits where they're just wandering the Sahara desert and it's about swimming. I don't get it at all. Like it makes zero sense. (laughs) So thank goodness this one has credits that work with the show. They're like great pop songs. They're like super, super catchy. Especially pop punk songs. Yeah. Pop punk, great, right? Uh, Paradise by Rude A. I even wrote it down. The opening theme, rules. And the sort of dance, it's just like, da, da, da. I don't know, it reminds me of, of so much, but I can't pinpoint exactly what. And then the ending theme, Infinity by Yuri, is just one of those Japanese pop punk songs that just like propels you to the next episode, right? So so those are a blast. But but then what I'm trying to say is they have like that sort of Marvel-esque post-credit cliffhanger, right? For the next season, and already, which I get, Adam is evil again, right? <laughs> he's like committing perjury by clearing his own name. Oh, yeah. And then yep. he's he's telling his sidekick, his underling, that he's basically going to be his servant for life. <laughs> like <laughs> He is the uh, embodiment of evil. So yeah, it, it just kind of like vacillates very quickly for me with Adam. Some of his lines are hilarious, but... I don't really know if they follow through on them. Like the end of episode 11, he has this like really hilarious biblical illusion where I I just came completely out of nowhere for me. But he says that I'll become another together. We will fall infinitely. And I love that because the title skate the infinity, Mm -hmm. this idea of like the infinite fall from Adam and Eve cut to the next episode, right? It shows him at some sort of like tailor shop, right? In the city, right? And he's getting a new costume and I, I dig his costume with the bone mask oh, yeah. <laughs> right it's very like nightmare before christmas it's very like halloweeny with the gravestones like yeah. i said already i love that last course it's along this like downward incline with the cliffside I, I thought it was a lot of fun really gothic and they really leaned in to the like 
mythological goth vibes of that world. Yeah. But like, I didn't get how it tied up with the Adam and Eve stuff that it was trying to like be the cliffhanger. I don't, I don't get that line at all, but it was kind of a dope mic drop at the end of the episode. They do that a few times. I think the end of the first episode where the, 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 the infamous line that you'll get on the taglines, if you do any, um, I don't know if you Google this and you read any literature on it or any synopses on this, they love the line of snowflakes dropping in Okinawa, uh-huh. right? It's this notion of like the internal world is bigger than the external world, right? Or this notion of being able to transplant home, you know, relocate home to be able to transition to a new sport, right? I, I think it's a, it's one, it is deservedly like the best line of the show, I think. And I, I'm glad that it's getting so much traction from the show because it envelops Longa's whole character arc almost in a single line and, and his quick love for skateboarding. And the last note is it's really interesting too, to just see that on a more technical level, the transition from snowboarding to skateboarding, I brought this up a little bit before, but it's very hard. Like they're two different activities that have some overlap and they have some obvious similarities, right? Mm-hmm. Like you'll know at least you're probably a goofy foot or a regular foot, but you lead one with your back foot and the other one, you don't really lead with either foot. The balance is different. You know, as we noted, one you're strapped in and one you're not. It's just not that smooth of a thing to segue between. Outsiders might think so, right? But it's not. Like, there's a really great docuseries on HBO called The 100 Foot Wave. And during the pandemic, all these surfers have nothing to do. And they're not even allowed to go in the water because the government shuts down surfing. So they're skating together. And it's really funny because these are like the world's greatest surfers. And they're not even good at skateboarding. Like they could barely like do a, the tiniest little ramp. I just brought that up just to like hopefully remind our audience if there's any yeah. non-adventure sport people out there, non-skateboard people out there. It's not as intuitive as you might think. Yeah. There like is... said, not everyone's a Sean White. Like Sean yeah, White's that's... like our manga, right? We go that's to the... true. Sean White can like skateboard, snowboard. He's that dude who's, who's that like, prodigy, if you will. He's older now. You guys don't call him a prodigy, but he's that talented innately. I, I totally agree. The other thing that's fun about the show is we talked a lot about like the passion for sport, right? Mm-hmm. Which I, I think it really leans into very well. But I think Cherry Blossom is another really fun, iconic, archetypal anime character, oh, right? Yeah. And he falls into the like uber scientific, robotic, android, futuristic sports advocate and aficionado, right? He has, I think his skateboards and Carla is a name and it's a piece of artificial intelligence, right? Yeah. He, he does like... AI calligraphy. So it's a weird cyborg of things and amalgamation of things this character is. But what I really enjoyed about him as well was just how intriguing his narration during the races are, right? He's talking about like minimizing air resistance to improve velocity, right? He's talking always about the science behind things. He's got this very like cyberpunk vibe to him, just his style. I don't know. That's a, that's a cool trope that I increasingly love. Sometimes they make it more like mundane or or realistic. Like I, I was also watching Free, right? This this anime about swimming. And they have a character in that who loves pole vaulting, right? And he absolutely abhors swimming. And his reasoning in the show is very, very funny. He like hates swimming because he thinks we've evolved past that on a Darwinian level. Why would we return to the water? We spent all this time trying to get out of the water. He also thinks swimming is extremely inelegant. He has these great lines about the like sublimity of pole vaulting, that you have to have maximum form and posture with your body. And he he sounds like a poet. 
And what's what's beautiful about this show is they slowly recruit this character to learn butterfly stroke, which is the hardest stroke of anyone knows about swimming. But I'm just saying, I'm seeing these patterns. They also had this a lot in Yawamushi Pedal, the breakdown of a race on such a infinitesimal level of physics. Like you see that Japanese like science brain to be a, to be a little stereotyping, but like the, yeah. the, the, the like super nerdy geeky side come out. And as a geeky nerdy person myself, I always love that attribute. So oh, yeah. that was that was a character I really liked. Was, that actually uh, reminds me of like Baki because it does mm-hmm. what Baki does. Where it's yes. Like, like the this, this pseudoscientific stuff puts it into the realm of fantasy, like the move where um, Adam goes uphill. Uh, like you said, Cherry Blossom explains it super well, right? But the idea mm-hmm. that you just turn your board and go uphill makes no fucking sense whatsoever, right? But of course, when it comes out of Cherry Blossom with a robot next to him, right? You're like on board, like gravity, fuck it. So I like yep. that, right? It's like, it's like when you're watching like the Charlie's Angels movies, but it's like legitimizing it uh, th- yeah. like through the fiction. I really appreciate the way they do that in this in this uh, text. The crazy thing about it is we've talked about this before. Like when it comes to a lot of these sports animes, and I'm, I'm the first person to say I am not a huge sports anime person. Um, and honestly, I, I'm, uh, and I have to give you guys your flowers. The reason why I originally started this segment of keeping it active and let's get active was because of the podcast that you guys do where you're talking about underdogs and talking about like, you know, just anime that has sports and shows and movies that have sports themes is because like to bring this back full circle, I've never really been a big anime a sports fan and the reason why is because just like in tv shows i'd much rather if i can go play the sport why would i sit down and watch something that you know that i could potentially just go out in the yard and do and the reason why like some of these shows like i said aoshi blue lock this show in particular skate the infinity a lot of these shows like you said free um, a lot of these shows are special in the sense that like they do break down the nuances. They do break down the physics that happens here. And those shows, like I say, Aoshi, Blue Lock. I've never been a soccer person. I'm a, I love watching soccer. I've never coached soccer. For my listeners who are out there, you know that I love football. Like I coach youth football. This is my sixth year this year of coaching youth football. But I never played football. I've always just enjoyed the X's and O's of football, understanding like, hey, at the end of the day, it's not the kids versus the kids. It's really me versus another coach. And that's what I love about it. It's a simple fact of like, as much as I can tell my kids and I coach my kids and my kids have fun, really what it really comes down to is like me saying it's me versus the guy on the other sideline with a clipboard. And that's the fun place. It's like playing checkers or chess because I'm playing against you because I'm going to hear what you're saying. And then I adjust my strategy on my side to be successful against you. And a lot of these shows specifically around these anime that we're talking about, that's how they're all set up. They're all set up to be like this physics, explain and give an explanation and an in-depth thought process that I wouldn't necessarily think of because I've never thought about, like you said, swimming. We talked about Grand Blue. I've never thought about swimming. Unfortunately, I follow the negative part of the stereotype of being an African-American where I can't swim. So like I've never thought about jumping into the water and actually swimming, but, but actually being able to listen to and follow like how a lot of these animes are shown and a lot of them are explaining this these tropes and a lot of the nuances and things like that of how to like start in the beginning and like the necessities that you have to meet, like whether it be like size wise, like, even that's something to me that's crazy to me. Like I said, in, in Aoshi and, and Blue Lock in particular, height of like strikers, height of like different players, like, yeah, you can be small, like the Lionel Messi's and things like that in this world, but they're complete freaks when it comes to their worth ethic, when it comes to their fundamentals, when it comes to 
their footwork when it comes to their their time and practicing that they put in because they are on the smaller side. Whereas like an Erling Holland in soccer, and I'm I'm only talking about these because if you're not picking up what I'm saying right now, Ayoshi and Blue Lock are specifically soccer based, but like you have your Erling Hollands of the world that are like six foot six two, that these guys that are like bigger bodies that can say like, hey, I'm going to overpower you overall because of just my physique. Like the athletic ability is there as well because you're world-class players. But these animes break down so much to like, hey, how tall are you? How's your board? When Riki was building Longa's board, how tall are you? What are you used to? Like you, you're a snowboarder. So how can I just do the foot spacing? And I think, uh, Paul, you hit that on the head, right? Whenever we're talking about how he had to strap in the first couple of times from his board standpoint, because he wasn't used to being on a skateboard. He's used to being strapped in on a snowboard. So Riki kind of going through and a lot of these characters and a lot of these anime breaking down the most basic details to be able to say, hey, you know what? In the first couple of episodes, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you everything. I'm going to give you the breakdown. I'm going to give you how this starts because I want you to be able to enjoy the next 11 to 23 episodes of this anime. So I'm going to give you everything you need right now to understand how this works and how you move forward. And then we're going to give you the rest of the story and actually let you enjoy that. So I think that it's awesome, like you said, like you said, especially in this situation of like, hey, how can we break down like the what is the physics part of it? How does gravity work? How does, you know, gravity in this universe work? How does all of this work i'm gonna give you that in like episode one or two which is why i say that you have to give a show four episodes at least to be able to actually enjoy an anime is because they're going to give you all the nuanced stuff that you think that you know but they're going to give it to you as it pertains to the universe that they're trying to build and once they do that the rest of the show is just absolutely phenomenal because now you've understood from the first couple of episodes how everything works and we're going to give you that for the rest of the show so i think you guys hit it you know spot on I love that they do both too, right? They have the scientific facts or the like X's and O's of the sport, even if it's an extreme sport, right? It's not football Mm -hmm. where you're like doing X's and O's in quite the same way, right? But they also just have like a philosophy or like an existential affirmation of sport or of activity. But I like to think of skateboarding as sport, especially here. It's racing, right? It's a competition. What's funny is a lot of these shows go way beyond that notion of sport as this thing that has to be like aggressively competitive. And I also love that about anime, right? And when I was watching this, I was thinking about like the function as well of like these types of shows. First of all, I was kind of envious as I always am of just the fact that like, now at least it's global, right? But for the most part, adolescent and prepubescent Japanese kids get to watch shows like these, which are so much more complex and developed than a lot of Americanized, Westernized animation. It's all around the world now. So that's no longer necessarily that big of an issue, right? We're able to watch this on our computer easily. People are talking about it. It's almost probably more popular than some of the syndicated shows that are still running in America, right? That said, I hope to see this adopted more in shows that are targeting that demographic, right? And that also shows why adults love anime because it's a fully fleshed and realized world. It has this wistfulness, this melancholy, this plaintiveness, right? It has this lyrical, nostalgic romanticism that you get wrapped up into. And what I do love is that it often comes down to like a secularized yet religion-based understanding of athletics. There is a sacredness to skateboarding. And for example, also 
once again, to bring in free the one about swimming, that whole series, the first episode starts off with a scene in which you have this like really graceful swimmer being solicited by someone else to a competition and the character outright rejects it. And she says, I swim free or not at all. I swim solely for the feel of the water on my skin, right? And you never see that in American stories, really. You never see that. And Skate the Infinity does that a lot. And when they do compete, when they actually do compete, my favorite almost running gag of the show is this sort of self-deprecatory insults that they often articulate like to a friend about how moronic they are, right? How stupid they are to get wrapped up into the competition, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, we're two psychopaths basically competing for who's the biggest moron. I'd love that about it. There's this like notion that like the competitive instinct is absolutely idiotic, yet it's also fun. It's also celebrating. It's championing. Yeah. But, it, but I love that balance that they have. It's this reminder of the essence of these things. And there's a joyous poetry to it. There's like this poetic element that it gives you that supplements your viewing. Whereas like skate videos are amazing, right? You watch a skate video, not for that. You watch a skate video. I'm talking about like Shorty's uh, Fulfill the Dream, right? An iconic one for any 90s skater. Mm-hmm. Or Ronnie Mullen versus Day One Song. I already mentioned that. <laughs> Those just give you the same sense of the X Games, a sense of complete awe at the majesty of greatness, right? And something like this gives you that reaffirmation that even though you're not going to be Day One Song or Rodney Bolin or Chad Muska, there's still purpose in this activity. And it always ties it really nicely into community, into friendship, into family, which takes me back not to get too negative, but to my to my main gripe. And the last thing I want to say on, on this piece real quick is that one of the things I was thinking about while watching this is I watch a lot of American serialized streaming shows, right? Mm. And one of my favorite parts of those lately is this new, proceed shows love to have this new technique of dedicating an entire episode to one character, right? They kind of do that a little bit here. And I've seen now enough to kind of see the flow of these anime shows. They lean a little bit towards a character in some episodes more than others, right? But I would love if they actually had a full episode just on Shadow, right? The guy with the kiss makeup, mm-hmm. right? Who has like that weird Sailor Moon transformation in one episode at the beginning. <laughs> right? I would love to even yeah. see like smaller characters, like a full episode on Maya, right? Yeah. I would like to see a flashback episode with Longa in Canada. That's uh, true. You've never yeah. seen him in Canada really, other than standing on that one hill looking all emo. Looking yeah. super emo. Or or Cherry Blossom, right? You have a yeah. funny scene where Cherry Blossom's like out in public, literally giving a speech about calligraphy. And it's so mind-boggling and weird. I was like, let's lean into that fully for an episode. So that's I'll be like my one like sort of like proposition to that world is just, yo, you got this possibility to like dedicate episodes to characters. And in the same way that the physics really builds you the meaning throughout the series, if they did that early on, not too early, you got to set up the world, but like starting episode five to nine of the first season of some of these shows, throughout the rest of that experience watching it, you'll know these side characters, these peripheral characters that aren't given much time so much more deeply than you do, yeah. right? And so then you'll it'll just add the heft and the gravity to all those scenes. I thought about this because I was looking it up when we were kind of talking about it. I thought that it was it was interesting that we were talking about like the Adam and I think Paul, you kind of hit on this one, but like talking about like Adam and Eve when he was talking about it, like episode 11. But I thought it was very ironic that like when you look back at it and I, I know we kept calling him the bodyguard. We're not completely incompetent. Yeah. I had to look it up. But his nickname, his alias is actually Snake. Mm. So I thought that it was very interesting that like Adam 
would be so <laughs> so involved and so in in tune with like snake which uh-huh. you know it takes to me and i mean i obviously you know people are always going to grasp that straws but since i'm on my show i get to say exactly what i want to say but like i think that is very interesting because like obviously when you think about when we talked about like the original story of like adam and eve it wasn't necessarily adam who was doing this everybody blamed eve you know for being the one to actually take the bite of the fruit so i think that it's very interesting that in this situation they did the complete opposite instead of eve necessarily being that person because eve in this situation the way that they set it up would have been longer then in this situation, Adam would have been the one who actually had the dealings with the snake in the very beginning to start us down this path. So I think it's very interesting that they would, you know, kind of flip that the way that I'm, you know, kind of thinking about it now. So really interesting. Uh, they, they play a lot with different mythologies, but some like that one, as interesting as it is, it also felt like so left field, like they didn't set it up enough for me. Yeah. You know, and I hope on season two, they'll somehow f- flesh out that a little more because it's going to have a season two. It's a huge hit. It is. The ratings yeah. are huge. Like I was looking at all that stuff, but yeah. but you're right. There's a lot of fun Easter eggs here. And this is my outsider self talking, right? But just like I'm amazed as a newbie when I, you know, prepare for a podcast and do research on these, like the depth of just intellectual investment in these worlds, right? There's wiki pages on each of these characters. And like, not only do they talk about like their character attributes from the show, and perhaps some of this is coming from the mangas, because I believe this is based off of a manga series Mm -hmm. before, but they have like their height, their weight, their birthplace, their birthday. Like they have every detail of these characters' lives chronicled. And it's just this really fun nesting of autobiographical, but fictionalized material that any like good artwork or creator, right? When you hear about the great movies, usually they really do this is they like dig into the stuff that you never see on screen. They know their character's favorite food and their favorite music and their their biggest life tragedy. Even if they never once tap into these things, they just do this sort of extracurricular homework so that they can more deeply inhabit the characters, right? Yeah. Which yeah. goes back into and reinforces what I just said. Like, let's, let's see some of this in the future series, right? Let's say they didn't want have time to do it in season one, season two, perfect timing. Like I want to learn all about Snake, for example. Why is he so psychophantic? Why is he such a willing minion? Is he somehow being blackmailed? There's got to be something that's yeah. keeping him that loyal. Like there's some sort of, he's either a masochist or he's got some <laughs> something that's holding him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Shout out to fandom, by the way. I've talked about this before. Uh, mm-hmm. Shout out to fandom pages because people, like you said, that, that take the time to actually put this stuff together. I talk about fandom all the time on my show. But like, shout out to them because it takes a very specific type of person to sit down to be able to invest and be able to look in to the people, like the breakdown, like you said, birthdays, favorite foods, right. you know, blood types and all that stuff. So shout out to them. <laughs> it's wild, right? It's fun. Um, <laughs> another piece of literature I wanted to bring up, I guess a little more ancillary, but interesting, right? Because there's not a lot of like critical theory and I'm a critic head when it comes to anything, right? Was the notion that this show queer baits, right? And I actually found that really interesting. I never actually heard this term coined before. And I know how popular it is. I saw Spider-Verse across the Spider-Verse last night, right? And the big dialogue, right? Which I think is also a little bit annoying because like 
first of all, I don't, th- that's a huge statement, a blanket statement. Why it's annoying is like Spider-Verse is this sprawling, like epic reinvention of animation. And for so much discourse to just be about is Gwen non-binary. Oh, like really? it just, it feels like, okay, very interesting. I want to read one or two pieces about that. Like I'm for it. I'm not like a against it, but like to devote so much of our, of our discourse, of our conversation to that. It's just like, yeah. it's it's just annoying. It's just like, there are more interesting things happening <laughs> in Spider-Verse. As we talked before the show, right? It's this crazy invention, which somehow like takes from real art history. Like there's a gargoyle that's referencing like, like 17th century paintings, right? Or yeah, like I don't know if it's a gar- yeah, Renaissance sort of work, yeah. right? Gwen's story is all in oil paints with these bright brushes. We've talked about Miles and the graffiti hip hop vibe. <laughs> we talked about that there's a sort of the clash inspired punk in this one that has a graphic novel undertones there's a mumbai character that's got the vibrancy that you would expect for someone from india one thing i I, why i listed that actually is i thought what a weird omission that they don't have any anime characters in this right they're like stealing from like all of the main animation styles they don't take from anime which is such a distinct tradition maybe it's too obvious is the reason they don't maybe they're going to do it in the part two of yeah. this, I but they know. did in the first one, didn't they? They did it in the first one because they had the girl with you're the right. uh, you're right, with, yeah, uh, the, they did. The Mecca, they did. Yeah, the Mecca, yeah. yeah. So, and that one, so maybe, like you said, maybe they'll do it again, yeah. But you would think that they would do more of it for sure. It's so brilliant, though, right? Because, yeah. like, you brought up the first one now, right? And they bring in, you know, uh, the pig, right? Um, bringing up <laughs> Looney Tunes, right? And then you have this probably the funniest part in, in this recent one, right? Is a throwback to Sam Raimi's, right? Where they get, uh, what's his name, JK, uh, JK Simmons to a uh, voice a Lego version of the uh, what, what the chief, the commander. Uh, no, the newspaper guy. What's yeah, the newspaper guy? I should know this stuff, but I'm not the biggest. I got like, a cheat right here. I can just look over here and have the answers. <laughs> but but I definitely sidetracked about it. I thought it was actually an interesting article I read about this idea of queer baiting, right? It's just because, it, because it, it, it's like a ploy, they were saying. It's this like attempt at a show to garner discourse is that word i've been echoing a lot to get attention and to never actually lean into it we see disney doing this a lot lately like that's like disney's new mo is they want to like appease every side of the ideological and political and social spectrum so i guess it makes almost more sense for them because it's disney it's this like family centered that has a huge demographic that's conservative and religious right and so they're they're actually kind of terrified i think of it they're like trying to like appease the progressive narrative without upsetting the other narrative and as we've learned in the past week if anything disney's out for money at the end of the day over everything else they're just capitalists and mercenaries above and above all you know and so they don't want to pull like a bud light right or it was a bud light that's just like yeah. kid rock went nuts and now they're like bottom line is plummeted in some other beers the biggest beer in america for the first time ever right and you know I'm just saying these people are commercialistic, but here we have this little project, right? And it actually seems like it's way more welcomed. I'm not sure, but it feels like it. I mean, there's even a line in the middle of the show where before a race, someone's like, bros and bitches and non, non-binary hoes. If you want to catch that, it's a really funny line. I was like, where did this come from? So like, it seems like it's part of the anime culture, which Matt, you might be able to fill me in on because they talk about banana fish where canon queerness is definitely a part of it. They talk about 
Yuri on Ice, which I watched a few episodes to see. Mm -hmm. And they talked about Free, which is the other one they said is most similar to this, in which they're constantly teasing same-sex relationships without ever following through. And so I wanted to ask two questions. I kind of went on a tangent. One, did you guys read into this at all as you watched it? Or is it just like a friendly platonic bromance? And two, do you have any thoughts? Do Do you think there's something cynical about this technique if it is happening? Yeah, I can answer it really quickly. I'm like, I can see this right away for me. I'm like, this is just like, like I said, teenage best friends. I feel like all a lot of modern critics are going to latch on to a gay narrative, right? It's like when it's fashionable to read Moby Dick that way, right? When that was fashionable in like the 70s, you know what I'm saying? So like, it's that type of criticism that you can expect now. Now with this, with this particular show, Skate uh, Infinity, I never got that they're gay for each other. Because there's a lot of indicators that one, they're just like, they're just buds, like best buds, kind of like that, like that close. And there's that great scene when they go on the vacation one where all of them are all trying, not trying to get laid, but like none of them are good except for Joe at talking to girls. And it's a great line because it's like anyone who's like not good at talking to girls yet, right? You use the wingman, right? And that's what they use. It's not like him like shutting it off. It's like a great thing. And I was also thinking about like the way the people around him interact with him. They don't poke fun at him or prod at their relationship. Like they make fun of him for... You're now his sidekick. You're the guy who's friends with Longa. Like, you're not yeah. the star, right? And that's the thing. It ties back into, I mentioned, like, the idea of passion and talent and jealousy. Like, this comes from, you know, them sharing the same thing and both having a passion, but he has something the other one doesn't. And he gets envious, just like in a relationship, right? It's, it's, it's a different type of envy, right? It's a different type of jealousy that they have to work out in order for their friendship to progress. I got that, but I feel like it's a, it's a pretty, I thought it was a hard stretch with this one because they're not, like, romantic at all. Uh, it's a lot of, again, just like closest of going through the bumps of friendship, which I really attached to. I thought it was one of the stronger things, but I, I, I can see right away that I thought that reading is like, I'd, I'd call it like low hanging fish or low hanging fruit, excuse me, yeah. <laughs> butchering my, my cliches there. But as I thought of this one, I was like, I thought it was kind of doing a good job of pivoting deliberately away from that. I thought I anticipated that. And within the context of the, like the group, like, cause I like the part, it's like who I skate with defines my feelings. And that could be applied across all those relationships we talked about beyond Reiki and Longa. Right. Mm. You can maybe come to another type of reading like that. In my first reading, I was like, I think the show's trying to avoid that. It's still going to get hit with that. I'll let you go, Matt. I just want to chime in real quick on on a few things Jordan brought up and help clarify too this reading I read, right? Because it's not only focused on Longa and Reiki, it also brings up like Cherry Blossom and the femininity of that character. Okay. Um, this word I've never seen before, but I looked up and I might be saying it wrong, but it's soon there. Right. And it's, I guess, a trope, an emotional trope that is so great because it's really defined so much of anime for me is these characters that swing radically between love and aggressive like hate like you do as an adolescent. Right. You're like just doting on your crush. And then you're you're pranking or bullying them or just mean spirited to them, right? Uh, and no. and they bring up the fact that Cherry Blossom has that sort of chemistry with Joe. And the other thing I want to bring up is there is one conversation where Longa is he's having a, a conversation with his mom, and I think there's a little bit of playing on that, but I think it's more yeah. just for the for the fun of uh, the way they of way they have that dynamic of the, the parents trying to understand what's going on in the world and the analyst yeah, like always... that forced disconnect. Yes, like they the both thing. want to do the same thing, and they yeah. sorry, cut They want to do the same thing, and then they both attempt it but can't ever complete it. Yeah, which is it's a great representation of kids who are just you know want to keep to themselves. Yeah, and he doesn't divulge to his mom, so like I could see some people going with the reading because like he's, they're like talking about like I forget the exact like language but like something he loves on the side or there's like an insinuation that it's a romance and his mom i think is kind of inferring that but i think it's just more just skateboarding the same way there's this dynamic in miles and his mom in a big scene and across 
the Spider-Verse where he's trying to reveal the fact that he is Spider-Man and she's just stoked because she thinks like he's just in love with Gwen and going to reveal like a crush he has or something. They have the same dynamics at play. I'm just bringing it up. I could think yeah. I'm slightly off there, but, but sorry to interrupt. I'm curious to what you have to say. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. That's very fair. Like you said, I, I don't think that there was any, I don't know, any love or any, you know, I'm a sucker. I'm a huge sucker for um, hidden romances as it is in anime. Um, we talked about that before. I've, I've been very vocal about that on my show, but I don't think that there was anything necessarily there between Longa and Riki. I don't think that there's any type of relationship there. Like you said, I think there was more of a bromance or whatever that you can say, because I mean, like, we all have best friends. I mean, you guys are clearly good friends. I mean, you, got, you have here. a show together. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I don't think that there was anything there. I think that there was, um, and specifically what, like I talked about before, I've kind of alluded to, kind of handed towards before. It's like, I've talked about a show about this, about how's your kids, how's your wife? The, the Adam relationship to me was the one that was more of the predatory situation that I could, I could see them, you know, obviously drawing that comparison to. And I've talked about this before. There was an episode that I did and now thinking about it and, I mean, and I have to take a quick humble brag, but like being season seven, I've talked about a lot of different concepts and a lot of different topics when it comes to anime. But I, I'm saying that to say like, and that's not tooting my own horn or touting my own heart, however you want to say that. But like I've, I talked about this on an episode that I call Blurred Lines was where because people talked about like how so much anime is like so fan servicey and how it's so much like some shows will blur the line between like hentai and actual anime in itself and like the way that it's actually set up and i say that because in that situation i think it's called like yaoi or yuri or whatever it is that they call it where there's like this gay love between two characters between two male characters i think that it did a really good job of staying away from that but also giving adam kind of that like his thing was not, I don't think it would necessarily had anything to do with just being another man. I think his thing was just it being someone who was competitive for him. And I think that's what drove him to that situation. If there was potentially a female that I think they had set up in this character, I don't think that it would have been anything that would have been weird. It wouldn't have thrown anything off if there was an actual female that stepped into that role. So I don't think that there was anything that said, hey, you know what, because it's a man, this is my love interest. Yeah. I think it would have said, like, if there was another character in general, whether it be Miki, like the chick who Shadow was in love with or whatever, or any other female character that they had introduced, I think that we wouldn't even potentially think that this was a thing if it was a female in that role. So I don't, I think that they did a really good job of, like you said, Paul, kind of stepping to that table yeah. and then stepping and then doing a good job of stepping away to say, the only reason why it's longer is because longer stepped in in a role and, and satisfied something that Adam needed in that specific situation. Mm -hmm. If it had been a female name like Akiri or something like that, we would have been like, all right, cool. It's just Akiri yeah. versus, you know, Adam. That's a great point because I was thinking and to support like you're reading about Adam, there's that moment where they bring up you got to get married and it cuts to Snake, right? The closest yep. dude in his life, right? As a thing he doesn't want to do. Then he's raised yep. by these women who abuse him, right? And like to me, there's like the what we used to call in like critical theory, like the queer reading there, mm -hmm. right? Like the reading you'd make in um like a streetcar named Desire, right? Kind of thing like that. That's one that kind of stuck out to me as like the subtle, like much more literary reference of of the most flamboyant character we actually have in, in the whole show. Yep. Uh, but I agree with you that it's the idea of the pairing and the way it's focused, I think is what draws to the, to this particular type of critic criticism. Yeah, totally. I I'm curious to see if any of this is further outlined or if they avoid it too, because it, they are 
surprisingly a lack of relationships in general in this show outside of yeah. the fraternal like bromance like friendships relationships i'm talking about romantic relationships which there usually is a ton of like you know grand blue dreaming <laughs> is just filled with like sexual hijinks basically yep. most of these shows are aoshi you have tons of female characters who are just like ogling over all the soccer players right Right. They love to do that. They love uh, the same with free. They have a, a female like part of the swim team who's recruiting everyone. And just every time they take off, you know, their clothes to go swimming, she just like blushes <laughs> and completely loses all her composure. So they are oddly playing a very platonic line in the show for the most part outside of Joe, like Jordan said, and outside of the episode where they go to that that tropical. Do you know where they go to Matt in that episode? Exactly. I, yeah, I'm not. I'm not 100 okay. sure. I don't know if it was like a another island inside of you know because I mean we're we're clearly in Japan, so mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't know if they went to just a different island. I'm not 100 sure, but um, I mean it's crazy as you say that because a lot of anime do this. Like we talked about this in like I know one show that I've talked about before, Hajino Ippo. Hajino Ippo is like notorious for this as a boxing anime, but when they go on vacation, they go to another island inside of Japan mm-hmm. to kind of go vacation. So I'm not exactly sure where though. Yeah. And I mean, Okinawa is already kind of tropical and humid, yeah. right? That's why the credits, I was wondering the few, first few times I watched the credits, I was like, why are all these palm trees? Like, yeah. that's not Japan. And I said, yeah. oh, wait, it probably is. I've only been myself to Nara in the Kansai region in Tokyo, right? Which is more central Japan. I've never been to the, the south parts, right? So I've never been to Okinawa. I don't know what it's actually like there. So definitely it, this is already set in a balmier, tropical, humid city in Japan. Yeah. Maybe they just went like a, a not far away. and. Yeah. You know what I mean? Rented a beach house or something. I don't know. But but I but I also love that part. I love that sort of just those side episodes that really serve less purpose, but build some character and some camaraderie. But yeah, like bringing back to my point, I'm curious where they go with some of these next season. And I also think there's a little bit of overreach in these articles. Like the one I read, especially the last point is like Japanese men are already so androgynous, goth culture, emo culture are so androgynous, right? You go to the main parts of Tokyo and the the cosplay culture, right? It's already just like, it's more about flamboyance for the sake of flamboyance than anything. When when you get these descriptions of like, oh, Shadow is dressed like Kiss and does a Sailor Moon impersonation. Well, duh, like he's a Japanese young person. Or I don't know their age. He's kind of older a little bit. He's the one who drives. I love that. That's the best part. That's far. You always got to old man. He's what, 25? He (laughs) says, I'm 24 the next time. Yeah. Uh, Drop an age. But anyways, I know we're doing like a sort of crossover here. We're both releasing this. I'm curious to just at least intersperse our little ending a bit in here. I want to hear everyone's take of is it an underdog or an overrated show? I'll start with you too, Matt. I'll just flip it right back at you. Would you call this underdog, which means like it's underseen, it's underrepresented, it's under like appreciated or an overrated, which means like, you know, it could be good, but like the hype is a little too much. Honestly, I feel like it's an underdog, and you know, using that category just because um, I've talked about this before and not to go on too much of a tangent, but the problem I think that happens with a lot of these shows is a lot of these shows come out around the same time as other big shows that end up taking off. And honestly, I think I fell into Skate the Infinity randomly, like by chance. I think I was looking for something at the time for my show where I wanted to like 
talk about a random show and i was like oh man what's this skate the infinity that just that keeps popping up on i think like hulu or something like that at the time country roll or something i was like i'll add it to my backlog and i'll watch it at some point so i don't think i don't think that it gets a lot of the shine but i will say this about this specific show and i talked about this at the very beginning it was an 8.03 or 8.02 which is huge in the anime community because with only 12 episodes one season, which season two looks like it's going to come out in the fall of this year, 2023. With that being a thing, that's huge. Like, there are a lot of shows right now that struggle to hit an eight that are really good shows out there right now. So I feel like it's an underdog. I feel like it's one of those ones that people who actually watched it loved it for what it was. And so for me, I'm going to say that it was an underdog in this situation. I'm agree with you. For me, absolute underdog. I kind of have low expectations for some reason. I don't know what I thought this was going to be. Like I thought yeah. it might have been more like that bicycle show we covered, and it was not. Like it was, like you said, it was a circus. Like and I, I, I like that. I always like to do comparison companion pieces. This is something like if you're a fan of like Rocket Power, the old Nickelodeon show, and you're kind of looking for something else to stream, maybe go to this one next. It has like you know not the same thing at all, but if you're kind of looking for those kind of fun vibes, like the idea of like who you skate with is kind of what matters. This would probably be perfect for you. First off, I came off pretty hard, right? I came off pretty anti or I, I, I define myself, right, as the hater. Definitely warmed up. That's that's why I love these as well, right? Matt, you talked about it. You, you got this weird dialectic going, right? You got like the negative, you got the positive, and you start getting a split brain and you get to see all the angles on, on these things, right? But I'm going to stick with my first gut instinct. I am going to stick with it. I think this is overrated. I saw those too. I don't know the natural ratings of anime culture. Right. But like every episode was like a 4.9 and had a ton of ratings. And I'm just like, yo, this show just feels a little overhyped for me. Like I, I thought that, I, I mean, I'd love some of the like hijinks that we get in some of the other shows. That's just like my thing. That's sort of like saved by the bell feel. Right. <laughs> and they have a skate shop. I'm going to go back to that. Right. And the skate shop is awesome. There's like a scene with the cat and he's on a, the cat's on two skateboards and like hits them in the face. Uh-huh. Like I wanted so much more in that skate shop. I loved the use of skateboarding as metaphors in some senses. Like I think it's the episode of like six or something. There's, there's the end where Longo wins, but he breaks his skateboard. Right. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of like defining the the state of his relationship with, with Reiki at that point. I also love the way they use the scrapes on the board, the, the beat up duct tape and so forth as a character attribute, right? They get a lot, right. I'm not trying to say that, but I'm going to call it overrated because I want to push the creators who are never going to listen to this, but I still want to push them and just push it out there in the world that I just want more of the hanging out. I want it just to be like a laid back hangout show as well. And then when we get that race, right, every four episodes or so, it really hits. It really punches. I felt like the rhythm for me, it didn't have enough buildup to each race. There were just so many races and so that I that I didn't get the like downtime I needed to really feel amped. But yeah. I think that's what people love. And I think that's why it's doing so well. So I'm in the minority. I'm probably wrong. <laughs> it's all good. One of my coworkers always says, I reserve the right to be wrong. But then he <laughs> always comes back and says that I'm never wrong. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's perfectly fine. But like I said, I mean, any closing thoughts or anything like that before I start going through the wrap up for this show or anything like that from you guys? The Fight Club is skateboarding. This is pretty badass. That's all I'm going to say. I forgot to mention <laughs> no. that comparison. I've been through a lot, but that was like that part where Adam says, uh, at work, I can't smoke, but here I can, and I can do anything I want. Like, that is like Tyler Durden. Uh, there's yeah. these moments where I like, you know, some of the dialogue just like shines. I'm with you, Paul. It doesn't light up. Like, the metaphors don't always like equate what they're referencing, like, especially the biblical ones. But there are some lines that Adam says that just like, 
lined up with such like maniacal evil. I'm like, oh, it's such a good evil role. But yeah, that was one of my favorite Adam lines. Yeah, I'll just reiterate that. I actually have Fight Club like twice in my notes. I think it's because it does a really good job of showing you how this this escape side project, hobby, whatever you want to call it, functions in a way that's cathartic and life-affirming, right? And Chuck Planiak does that so well. And what's crazy is these little anime shows that are also just trying to capture a teenage world actually tap into that same energy, that same underlying philosophy, and gives it also this really nice anti-capitalistic tone. And I, I really dig that about it. So like, there's so much I like, I just want greatly more, more of what I like. <laughs> yeah. <It's fair. laughs> That's fair. Um, and yeah, like my closing thoughts on this one is, um, and I, I say this on every single show. It's not one of those things where I'm like, oh my gosh, like you need to go watch the show because the show is good or anything like that. If it's if a show is bad, I'm going to say that the show is bad. But in this specific situation, I would at least say go watch the show, venture out, and again, in closing, in summary, and all that good stuff. I'm going to again give you guys a flower. Um, I know that I talk very fast and I talk a lot, so I don't give you guys an opportunity to say you know whatever you want to say off of that. But like, I give you guys the flowers of just watch sports stuff you guys were the, the huge you know motivator for this and i think it all started when we wanted to do the first episode of like the let's get active episode i was trying to think you guys do sports shows things and movies and stuff like that and i was like how can i get these guys on my show to where they feel comfortable to talk about what they want to talk about so give you guys flowers because you guys really started me down that path of like wanting to watch like aoshi blue lock um skating infinity that we're talking about right now grand blue all of those. And it, it, it was huge. So watch the show, at least give it an opportunity, give it a couple of episodes. Again, I always say rule of thumb is four. I always start off with four episodes, give it four episodes to grow on you. And if it doesn't grow on you, then walk away from the show. But if it does and continue and it's only 12 episodes, so you're already like a third of the way through the episodes so, or through the show. Right, so. Might as well finish it. <laughs> right. You might as well go ahead and finish it. Might as well see it. how it turns out. <laughs> right. And thank you, Matt. Honestly, you said the flowers, but thank you for introducing us again to so many cool animes. And like I was reinvigorating my passions. I love cartoons and I feel like I don't watch enough animes, but you turn me on to Baki and that is one I am just a giant fan of now. (laughs) That is like my like bar, (laughs) new bar used to be like, like I said, used to be like Dragon Ball Z and Castlevania. That's my new bar because I was just completely enthralled. So again, flowers to you for that, man. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say we're gonna have a full bouquet here because we gotta <laughs> throw the flowers right back at you, Matt. We definitely, this is an, a, a niche, a really esoteric subgenre. If you're thinking about sports movies, right? You're like, no one thinks first and foremost, or maybe not no one, but most of our audience don't think about anime sports themed shows. But there's so many. It's such a culture, such a parallel culture. And so, thanks for letting and inviting and welcoming us to dive into this and kind of have that that extra element, right? Because we love the diversity of the genre that's actually out there. And I think this is probably one of the most truly diverse things we can do with this genre, right? It totally enters a whole new world where I feel like an amateur again, and I enjoy that. So, so right back at you. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Um, for those of you who are listening to the show, um, like I said, appreciate you guys sticking around um, and just rocking with us throughout this show. Um, today, we were talking about Skate the Infinity. So this is Let's Get Active Part 3, which means if there's three of them, which means that there was at least two other ones. So I suggest you go back and listen to two of the other episodes that we've done um, where we talked about different shows. 
the last one being Grand Blue. And then I think before that, we talked about like a couple of different other ones. So make sure that you go back in and you find those episodes and continue to listen to us. Thank you for sticking around and supporting the show. Again, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Anime Talk 12. That's Anime Talk, the number one and two. Where can we find you all? Yeah, you can just uh, Google Cinematic Underdogs. Really, that's it. If you Google us, you'll find us. We got our Twitter there. We got everything there. Yeah, just go there. Search our name. Pretty simple, pretty easy. And we have good SEO. So we'll be right at the top on that. So leave some comments. Of course, leave some comments as we call them. Leave some chirps. Let us know what you think about the episodes. Tell Paul how wrong he is for being on the opposite side of history here. Yeah. You know, have fun with that. Oh, <laughs> um, so yeah, like I said, my, my guests were Paul and Jordan today from Cinematic Underdogs. Um, like I, I always say at the end of every episode, thank you for rocking with me, sticking with me. Thank you for um, all the shares and likes and comments and everything like that. I'm never going to beg you for for five stars at all because I mean you're going to give me what you feel like I deserve so please feel free to give me what I deserve and my last two quips at the very end of every single episode I want you guys to know continue to be the best version of yourself that you can be I'm going to continue to be a, a, a light in the world full of darkness and just be you you know what I'm saying enjoy the rest of your week and everything like that and like I said I will see you guys next week so thanks for shopping on the show guys I'm the Cinematic Underdogs with Jordan and, um, and Paul like I said this is Matt St. Jack with Anime Talk peace out
Oh, 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 oh,